Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the September 16th episode. We are now on Thursdays. And as always, we will continue to answer all of those fantasy football questions that you need to win your week two matchups. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. And today we have one of the smartest and one of my favorite people in the fantasy football space, Nelson Souza from FTN Fantasy. He's a high-stakes fantasy player, folks. Whatever stakes you play at, I guarantee you Nelson plays higher. He's one of the smartest guys in the industry. I've been picking his brain for years. We've had him on the mailbag in the past, and he joins us this week to talk about week two and give us the strategies for here, this week, and in the future. Follow him on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Mr. Franchise, welcome back to the mailbag. Listen, I appreciate you having me. It's always a pleasure to to be on the show. Nelson, you've been doing things on your own solo for a long time. This year, you decided to join up to the powerhouse, which is FTN Fantasy. And that was like signing a massive free agent in my mind. How's it going at FTN? How are things there, man? Because I know you're killing it. And now you're doing it with FTN in a larger audience. Yeah, I can't I can't ask for anything better. It's a great group of, of guys and, and ladies uh, there. Um, really sharp. Uh, players and analysts. Um, the 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 site itself is just incredible. The amount of information and tools that we have there, and and then I'm you know doing my thing and contributing with you know the uh, high stakes content and uh, the Discord chat and helping out subscribers, trying to help them win their leagues and become better players. Well, you've been killing it there, man. And I remember when it was just you doing the high stakes stuff and putting out the infamous fade list, which of course to me is fantasy gold every year. Now that the season has started, can you pull back the curtain a little bit? And who were some of your biggest fades as the season tips off? Here we go in a week two. Uh, some of the biggest fades. I mean, I, I definitely had like a couple of um, uh, first round players. Like I had Derrick Henry as one of my fades. Um, now, Nelson, with him, when you say fade with him, I'm curious because obviously it's the volume. Where would you have felt comfortable taking him? How much were you fading him is my question. Like if he fell for some reason, let's say it was an injury or something, to middle of round two, is that an area that you would have been okay with him? Was it really just a, a first round thing? Or did you say, you know what, I want no part of Derrick Henry this year? Um, def- I definitely would have taken him at the turn. Uh, okay. The, the first, you know, one, two turn uh, for sure. So like if I was like in the 11, 12 hole and he fell to me, 
I would I would take him there, but I I'm just I try to stick to my process. And one one of the biggest things is avoiding guys coming off career seasons. And you know the 2,000 rushing yards, not really involved in the passing game. Uh, new offensive coordinator there because Smith went over to Atlanta. Um, I don't, I, I really think their defense is horrible. So I think they're going to be playing from behind or involved in some shootouts that, you know, possibly the game script doesn't favor Henry, uh, in some of those games. And we saw a little glimpse of it. I'm not ready to take, you know, that victory lap, uh, just yet. It's one, it's one, you know, it's one week, no big deal, but it, it's a little bit of a glimpse of, you know, kind of what I was projecting uh, that possibly could happen. Any other couple of guys you said, you know, I think this is a little ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Saquon Barkley um, was another one. I just, you know, coming off that serious knee injury, uh, ACL surgery, um, even, you know, it's going to take him uh, some time to get back to 100%. And then when he does get back to 100%, he still has to deal with that you know, terrible offensive line of the Giants. So he was a guy I just felt comfortable uh, fading uh, this year. Uh, another guy was, you know, Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, you know, guys guys like that. Kind of like in, I guess they call it like the running back dead zone um, nowadays. But, you, you know, it's kind of like that area of, of the draft where I just liked, I favored the wide receivers more. And I felt like a lot of those running backs, just so many of them had question marks. And I just figured if I, if I took a running back, like in the first or second round that I could hang my hat on, I, you know, my preference was to, you know, go four wide, get a, maybe one of the top tier QBs like Kyler Murray, Dak, uh, Brady, uh, those are Lamar Jackson. Those are some of the guys that I have exposure to. And then I would just completely punt my RB two, And then, and then from there, I just, you know, take a bunch of, you know, high upside handcuffs and try to try to make it work. And, and then, you know, hopefully on the waiver wire, if a guy, you know, became available, you, you know, you got to be prepared to, you know, fire on him, And that, that was the case uh, tonight, you know, with Elijah Mitchell. I always wanted to ask you this question. What do you think, Nelson, is the biggest difference between, you know, the majority of listeners and people who are in fantasy, friends, family leagues, you know, lower stakes. What are the differences you can think of when you strategize, when you're playing with your buddies, you're playing with a low stakes league, and then you end up drafting in a very high stakes league? Do you, are, are there nuances to it? And is there a different strategy that you take? Or maybe it's the same. I'm not sure. Uh, the two big things that that I that come to mind would be it in uh, the high stakes leagues, there's no trading. So, you know, unlike your local league or maybe like a – you know, your standard Yahoo or ESPN league where you can make trades, you know, you got to leave your draft in these high stakes uh, leagues. You got to leave your draft with a pretty good base um, because it's not like you can sit there and like take Pat Mahomes and then you feel like Russell Wilson fell too far and 
you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take Russell Wilson here and later in the season somebody's going to come knocking on my door and and ask to trade for Wilson. And like you can't improve your team that way. The only way you can improve your team is through uh fab or, you know, waiver wire uh pickups. So that's that's big uh for someone that's always been involved in a trading league um and then have it jumping up to high stakes that's a big adjustment and then the the last one is probably like in your draft the the sleepers or the guys that you think are like under the radar in high stakes leagues they're not under the radar they're they're guys that actually maybe are overvalued and actually get pushed up in these drafts so i think those are the two biggest differences that's fascinating because the trades are always an issue. And I, I don't like vetoing trades ever. I don't. It's just sometimes you do get into situations where you see a guy who's one in nine who's related to the guy who's in second place and you're scratching your head saying, I don't get it. So I, I think that's an interesting perspective. Do you have more roster spaces in those leagues as a result? Yeah. So it's a 20 man roster. So you got a, you got a 10, okay. 10 man uh, starting lineup and then you got a, uh, 10 man bench. So it is pretty deep. I have a question here from Robert in Tampa. What do we do with the Tampa Bay backfield? He's asking because he said, look, I understand that Ronald Jones and Fournette both aren't great backs. However, they are the lead. One of them is the lead running back in a pretty potent offense for a team that profiles with a lot of negative game script this year. Now, it didn't happen against Dallas, of course, but there's a chance it could happen this week, Nelson. For someone who had Ronald Jones, I know you are not a fan of his, or Fournette or both, what do you see happening here? Is it just total chaos the rest of the year? You know, the Tampa backfield was something that I, I avoided all draft season. And it's not to say that it, it can't work out. It, it definitely can. But if you've got Ronald Jones or Fournette, like who do you start this week? Like how, how do you know who – do you feel confident in starting, you know, any of those guys? And listen, after week one, if I had Leonard Fournette on my team, I, I kind of would feel kind of confident that – hey, you know what? I might be able to play this guy in the flex. And then Arians comes out today and says that Ronald Jones is going to start for him, you know, this week. And if I'm a Ronald Jones owner, after week one and seeing him get benched after that fumble, you know, you're pretty much like, at at this point, you're almost like ready to drop the guy, you know, because you're so frustrated. And then you hear he's starting. But the question is like, are you confident in in starting Ronald Jones? And if you can't answer with like a hundred percent conviction, then that's my point. My point is like just avoid it altogether, so you don't have to deal with that headache. Can't you see Ronald Jones starting, having a good game, him fumbling again at a point where Tampa's crushing by about two touchdowns? And Keyshawn Vaughn being active and just cleaning up in the second half and having one of those games where someone wins the Millie because they played Keyshawn Vaughn on a hint. See, the thing is, that's the problem, Nelson. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, your best ball leagues, 
Who are your biggest best ball targets? You know, similar differences to seasonal. And do you have a fringe late round guy that you said, you know what, this guy's going to help me? Last year, one of the highest exposures I had was to Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and it worked perfectly because he got you just enough there to be relevant as a late, you know, in FFPC, like a 28th round pick. Uh, best ball targets and a fringe guy that you loved. Um, I didn't do many best balls this year. Uh, I, I did a few right in the beginning, but I did, I was so heavily invested into redraft this year and I started early that I just had no time for, for best balls. But the teams that I did do, uh, early on, you know, we'll, we'll see the jury's still out, but, uh, two of the, you know, late guys that I was taking in drafts were like Elijah Mitchell you know, yep. was, was one of them. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see if that works out. And then, uh, the other guy, not, not going as late, but like Jalen Rieger, uh, was yep. another guy that, you know, was kind of going fairly late, uh, in drafts. So, you know, th- those were kind of like my main, like late targets at two different positions. This next question used to be about a margarita, but Eric Moody came on and gave us the entire physics behind the salt on the margarita. So I have canned it, and I've now gone to favorite type of juice in the morning, cranberry, orange, grapefruit, or Sean Siegel broke the bank with pineapple the other day. Do you have a favorite type of juice in the morning? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I drink um, – in the morning, I drink a lot of coffee. Somebody and- said coffee. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. That that's my juice, you know, in the morning. A lot of coffee. That's the sauce. That's the breakfast yeah. sauce. Absolutely. Let's do a rapid react around the league. Just going to grab a couple teams here. Dallas impressed against Tampa Bay. Hung. They covered the spread, of course. I I don't think Zeke looked great. I I think he's lost some of his wiggle and some of the explosiveness. But Nelson, that may not matter because he certainly seems like he's going to get the majority of running back touches. And Pollard is simply a, a gadget guy here and there. So worried about Zeke, yes or no? No. Yep. It, he's going to get the volume. And I think this week you could see a real nice game against the Chargers. Um, if something were to happen to him, however, I think Pollard would be a pretty strong pickup there on the waiver wire. Yeah, I mean, in, in defense of Zeke, um, I think most running backs going up against uh, that Tampa Bay front yeah. seven – are going to look slow and and old and not really be able to do much. Jalen Hurts looked fantastic. The RPO against the Falcons caused a ton of trouble, and he certainly stuck it to me because I was not as high on him. However, it was the Falcons, Nelson. So now he's got San Francisco coming in at home. They're slight underdogs. I wasn't high on their receiving core, but he looked pretty dynamic. Where are you and Jalen Hurts rest of the season? I, you know, after week one, um, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had more Jalen Hurts uh, on my teams. Uh, I will say that because uh, he, he did look fantastic. But it, it's one week. Let's see what he does with a little more stiffer competition. The old adage in betting is to back Mike Tomlin as an underdog. His record using bet labs is incredible. It's something like he's covering 75% of the time. It only rivals the Teddy Bridgewater stat on how often he covers when he's a starting quarterback. And the other opposite part of that, though, is to fade Mike Tomlin when he is a favorite, that sometimes they underperform. 
Do the Raiders have a chance this week? I would think not coming cross country on a Monday after a Monday night game against a physical Ravens team. Now they have to play Pittsburgh. Sometimes the obvious play, you have to be careful. What do you think about here with Pittsburgh and the Raiders? Honestly, Pittsburgh impressed me because, you know, to go and play that game against Buffalo and to hang in there and finally, you know, take the lead uh, against Buffalo in the second half, I, I was impressed with them. And with the Raiders, I honestly think that they only stuck in that game because the Ravens uh, had a lot of miscues and some turnovers. And then I just didn't think they stuck to the run game uh, much. They It seemed like they just really wanted to go pass heavy. So with the Raiders going to Pittsburgh, I actually think that, you know, they might be a little bit overmatched. Um, I, I might look silly on that, but I, I don't think uh, they're winning that game. Put this out on Twitter today. Steelers wide receiver snap counts from week one. Deontay Johnson, 76%. He was banged up a little bit. He came out for a couple snaps there. Chase Claypool, 67%. He was 39 of the 58 snaps. Juju Smith-Schuster, 91%. 53 of 58 of the snaps he was on the field. That was the case last year, Nelson. But with Najee Harris there and Claypool possibly not being as much of a short goal line option as last year, are you a little down on Claypool? And could we have undervalued Smith-Schuster if he's going to get 91% of the snaps? Yeah, Claypool is one of my fades uh, this year uh, because that's kind of how I was projecting um, that offense that, you know, Juju, you know, a lot of people got down on him. And, you know, I don't know, man, it's hard to get down on a guy that's going to catch, you know, close to 90 balls in the season. Uh, He's, you know, him and Big Ben are really, are good friends. Uh, That's kind of like his go-to guy. Deontay's a target monster, but Juju's definitely like Ben's like, you know, binky. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, Najee now in town, I, I think he, as the season progresses, he's going to get used more in the passing game uh, as he gets comfortable. And Claypool is dynamic, but I did feel like he was kind of like the odd man out. He he has to be super efficient uh, because of his lack of snaps. I love when a guest saves me the trouble of coming up with a title for the podcast. Ben Roethlisberger Binky is absolutely the title of this one when it drops tomorrow. Nelson, I still love the Vikings. I I think Mike Zimmer always does a great job with the defense. They lost so many players last year to COVID and other things. I think they're a big bounce back candidate. I think they're even more undervalued now because of the loss at Cincinnati. I love the Vikings. I think they're going to have a strong year. I think they can contend with the Packers. I like them as a uh, NFC North preseason bet. Am I nuts? Where are you on Minnesota? No, I, I was high on Minnesota coming into the season for sure. I, I think uh, their defense should be improved uh, over last year. I think, um, you know, it, it was kind of a rough game because Mixon was able to kind of do his thing um, and then Chase got deep on them. But um, I, I think they'll settle in and and be a pretty good team. And I, I actually think – I don't know. It's only one game, but that that NFC North could be open a little bit because uh, 
I'll tell you what, the Packers looked pretty bad uh, last week. Yeah, they looked rough. And I know I keep thinking of the you know Aaron Rodgers relaxed tweet and and maybe they'll get right against Detroit on Monday night football. But I expect a big bounce back performance from the Bears. I think Montgomery actually was decent. They were running the ball. You know it's going to be Justin Fields, Nelson. I mean, please tell me you, re- you think that Fields is coming in soon because if he does, that Bears team could be a problem in that, in that division. Listen, my my whole thing of why it could possibly not be Fields in Week One was the simple fact that they were they were going to go on the road against a very difficult Rams defense. And, you know, to put a rookie quarterback in that kind of situation, I like, it made sense to me, like, okay, start the veteran Dalton and then, you know, let's go from there. Um, I just don't see how like you can't like, I don't see how they leave fields on the bench. I, I think now it's like, okay, we got past week one. Dalton showed you what he is at this point in his career. And, you know, if he's not able to move the ball and he's throwing within five yards of the line of scrimmage, you know, you, you need you need some juice in that lineup. And Fields gives them the, you know, the running presence. Uh, he's able to get the, you know, push the ball down the field, which, you know, when, when you have an offense with Allen Robinson, who's one of the best, you know, jump ball uh, wide receivers, and then you've got Mooney and, and Marquise Goodwin, who are you know, speedsters on the outside, like <laughs> there's no reason why they shouldn't be taking, you know, a handful of deep shots a game. Another player I liked for the Vikings, listen, I'm looking for the next Travis Fulgham, Nelson. KJ Osborne comes in, and I put this out on Twitter, gets 81% of the snaps, goes seven for 76. Adam Thielen is not going to get two touchdowns every week, and Osborne is available on many waiver wires. If something happened to Thielen, you know, I think Jefferson obviously will come around. But I think K.J. Osborne has some sneaky wide receiver three possibilities, as I know it's not a lot of volume there. But if something happens, they don't have a tight end consequence with Irv Smith out now. Tyler Conklin's going to take a little bit of time. I think Osborne can be a player people keep their eye on here in deeper leagues. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned him because I wrote him up in my uh, week one uh, thoughts uh, article that I did at FTN. And I mentioned that the kid flashed to me um, and they, they obviously trust the kid because uh, when they were driving in the fourth quarter there at the end and they were trying to tie up the game on fourth down, they actually went to the kid um, mm-hmm. to convert uh, that play. And uh, that showed me something. I was like, Oh, okay, this is going to Jefferson or, or Thielen here easily. And it's like, whoa, okay, they threw to the Osborne kid here. So, um, yeah, the kid flashed to me. He definitely is somebody that you either need to go pick up or, you know, in shallower leagues, at least, you know, have him on your radar. Doesn't surprise me that Nelson, folks, had this in the week one column before it even happened. You also had sort of a soothsayer look on the San Francisco backfield because you mentioned earlier that you had Elijah Mitchell. Well, now it's time to figure it out. Is Elijah Mitchell going to be the guy? He has a profile, metrics profile, very similar to Raheem Mostert. I'm always afraid of Shanahan again. They just picked up Trenton Cannon today. I don't think it's a big issue, but he's always doing three-card Monty here, Nelson, with the running backs. Was that just a message 
to Trey Sermon because it was Detroit and he thought they could handle it. He did trade up to get Trey Sermon. Or could Elijah Mitchell really be this year's sort of late-round running back that pops? Well, the first thing is, as far as the whole draft capital thing, um, my opinion on that is we see it all the time with NFL teams where they get it wrong and they take the guy that the later pick that ends up outperforming the earlier pick. We, we saw it with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Very good. We saw it in Baltimore with Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've seen it, uh, you know, quite a bit of time. So that to me, like at this point, now that the season started, it doesn't matter that Sermon was a third round pick and, you know, Mitchell went in the sixth round. It to me now, it you know for the coaches, it's it's about oh you know Shanahan's not sitting there at you know in his office or at home and and saying, man, we we gotta we gotta make this work because Sermon was a third round pick and you know we can't really play Mitchell you know because he's a sick like he doesn't give a shit about that like you know he he's looking at it as like hey I'm here at practice I'm watching this kid and this kid looks good. And good enough to me that, you know, he should be active on game day. So that's my opinion of the situation. Now, could things change? 100%. Sermon definitely could get that job, you know, back or, or you know, have it form as a full-fledged committee. You know, would that surprise me? Not at all. But I, I just think that Mitchell's skill set fits perfectly with what the 49ers are doing in the run game. There are very few players that are more secure in their position than Chris Carson. In week one against the Colts, Chris Carson, 16 of the 22 rushes, also caught all three of his targets. The real backups there, the only real veteran guy, Rashad Penny, now has a calf strain. Chris Carson did fumble. But gosh, Nelson, I pray that Damian Harris with the Patriots gets the sort of job security that Chris Carson was because I think Damian Harris is going to kill it. But Carson moving forward has got to be a solid running back play for you. I mean, they, they love him. They love the guy. And no matter what, I think they're sticking with him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Carson's uh, – he's one of those guys that is not sexy, but he's just really, really solid. What are your thoughts on Harris? I just think that Harris could have – he could be the LeGarrett Blunt, Deion Lewis. You want to go back to Corey Dillon? He is their best option. But you're in New England. That was a critical fumble against the Dolphins. It essentially lost them the game. He had the right response. Ramonde Stevenson also fumbled. But he's got to be on watch. If he doesn't fumble, Nelson, gosh, I think he can have a fantastic year but I'm a little concerned because I don't think he gets many chances with Belichick. No, not at all. He he can't like in the next couple of games, uh, at least he can't do that again. Yeah. Like he, he can't put the ball on the ground because uh, that's been Belichick's MO, um, you know, his entire career there in New England. If, you know, you're running back to him, running backs are kind of a dime a dozen And if you're a running back and you're going to be putting the ball on the ground, you're going to sit on the bench. Why can't Paris Campbell fire with the Colts? There are not a ton of playmakers. Their offense in week one was Jonathan Taylor, and I was excited to see the passing game uses for Jonathan Taylor. Naeem Hines, who they gave a contract extension to, who's going to be critical. But we're talking about Michael Pittman, Zach Pascal, 
I mean, why can't Paris Campbell should be able to fire on the carpet in Indianapolis in this offense? Why can't he do that? I don't know, man. I I love his talent. And uh, I I just, I don't know. Some guys just can't put it together. And, you know, he seems like one of those guys that um, the talent's there on paper and he probably looks good in practice. But when the games come, you know, the lights come on. He, he's not able to put it together. I use the road of his screener. There are some great comps to him. I mean, you know, gosh, at this point, I'd love for him to be Ted Ginn. I mean, I, like, it's just so frustrating because it's not like Nelson, the Colts are, they have a solid defense. They're well coached. They're in a division that's going to see the Jaguars twice and the Texans twice. You would think that like they would just put all of their weapons to use, but it, it, it's been injuries, but it's not injuries this year, is it? No, I, 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 I know he battled he was battling some type of like minor injury um here at the end of uh the preseason but you know he it should be all systems go so we'll, we'll have to see we'll, we'll have to see what happens in the next uh, couple of weeks um we we can't just you know give up on him after one week very true i'm curious your thoughts on the Washington quarterbacks situation. They like Taylor Heineke. They gave him a nice deal, I think a two-year deal, $8 million. That was based off the playoff game. He's got a little Konami code. But are they really going to ride him until Fitz comes back? I mean, certainly Ron Rivera there, Cam Newton, there's whispers about that. What do you think is going on in Washington? Because that's a good team with good weapons there. The quarterback there is going to have some 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 options. But is it? Oh, you think they're going to stay with Heineke? I, I do. Uh, the kid impressed me last year in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, you know, obviously ended up winning the Super Bowl, and the kid played really well against that team. And so I do think that he can make plays. He can make plays on down the down the field. Um, I think the offense will be fine. Um, if he struggles, I think for a couple of games, then you could see them. You know, possibly like, uh oh, you know, we're we're looking to win the division and we're gonna have to make a move here. So it's possible, but I, I think he'll be fine. Talk about some of the rookies you identified. I think these rookies are critical because they don't fire in the beginning of the year. And in your traditional 12 team leagues, especially PPR, if they're not getting volume, people drop them. But those, you know, running backs, wide receivers can be so critical second half of the year. It's harder for tight ends. Any rookies that people may have gotten later in dynasty drafts, running back or wide receiver that you think, you know, keep an eye on this, guys, because if things break right, they could be really in for a big, big opportunity. Uh, I mean, these guys weren't really under the radar, but uh, two of the guys that I really um, believe in is Elijah Moore and Jalen Waddell. Yeah, Waddell, yep. I think those two guys are going to have very good years. And then a little bit under the radar, you know, the kid that I liked was Kylan Granson, the tight end with the Colts. Oh, good one. Did Jalen Waddle make Mike Gesicki useless? Because Waddle was getting a lot of those targets early on. He caught a touchdown pass and Gesicki gave us the bagel against the Patriots in a game which you know Belichick's going to take away the top option. Is Gusecki someone you are getting rid of, and has Waddle now pretty much made him irrelevant in this Miami offense? Well, the issue is Miami's offensive line's not very good. 
And Gesicki didn't play all that many snaps in that game. And, you know, they, they seem to value the blocking tight ends. And now you've got Will Fuller, who's going to be back coming off of suspension. I only I can only see it getting worse, actually, for Gesicki at this point with the weapons that they have. So, yeah, it, it, it might be a situation where I don't want to overreact, but it, you, you can't play the guy. Not after like that low snap count and him doing nothing. Excellent point, folks. Will Fuller back. Don't forget that. He had to sit out one game, and he is back this week against Buffalo. Great point, Nelson. Do you have a favorite video game growing up? Favorite video game growing up? Oh, man. Um, I, can't, I can't say that off the top of my head, probably like Tech Mobile. Yeah. Was it Bo Jackson for you, Nelson? Yeah. Was that, I yeah, mean, was Bo it that Jackson, simple? Yeah. You know, Madden, Madden growing up, yeah. you know, that, that was big. We've added this question every week, and I think it's interesting. Get great analysts like yourself. Pete Aquaviva had brought it up. He's a longtime listener. He said, look, I want these guys to go into their brain and say, I like this guy, but if I was wrong, here's why I would be wrong. So take one of your players that you really like, that you have a strong feeling on, that you loved going into seasonal leagues, and say, look, if I'm wrong, this is the argument against that player. Uh, it's probably going to be Antonio Gibson. Um, Ooh, okay. You know, very high on him. And, you know, it's kind of the obvious that, you know, if I'm going to be wrong on him, it's because they're not going to give him uh, all the passing work and they're going to keep McKissick in that role. Um, so I, I think he's still going to be pretty good. They're still using him in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone is pretty hell-bent on, you know, hey, he's got to be in there on third downs um, and, and get some of those uh, checkdowns and in, in opportunities. But, you know, if I'm wrong, you know, that's that's going to be – that's going to be the reason why. And if an injury happened, I assume you would be all aboard Jared Patterson, no? Correct. Absolutely. DFS time. Let's look at each – let's look at the positions. Just talk about – I know it's early in the week. It's still Wednesday. Targets and fades, Nelson. Just some players who've popped for you, maybe somebody you like, and then a couple players you don't like at any of the positions this week in DFS. Um. I'm probably – I'm kind of liking that stack of uh, Minnesota and Arizona. Mm. Um, they're interesting. I think – You know, Nelson, one, a quick question. I had Jim Jim Sonis on the podcast, and he brought up a stat that I think is fascinating, and it proved correct again last week. He said he has studied the Millie Maker lineups, and he has found that quarterbacks that are slight underdogs on the road – represent 25 over 25 percent of the the millie maker quarterbacks because he feels that those qbs are overlooked and i think that's interesting meaning it's going to be a close game they're going to be on the road and the majority of people tend to favor the home qb in those situations any thoughts on that i thought that was interesting yeah it it makes sense to me you know i i haven't gone you know in depth with that kind of research but it totally makes sense. And it hit with Kyler last week with DeAndre Hopkins. You could double stack with Christian Kirk. But go ahead. You said you like this week that, that Minnesota-Arizona game. Yeah, so like Cousins with like Jefferson or 
or Thielen uh, totally makes sense. And then even like a Tannehill with A.J. Brown would make sense to me. They're on the road. Um, I haven't... I haven't looked at the the lines just yet, but I'm going to assume that Tennessee is a dog. Tennessee is a five and a half point. It opened up at three and a half. Seattle by three and a half. It's now Tennessee underdog by five and a half points. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. There's your play. It's going to be Tannehill, A.J. Brown. If you were on fear factor, sir, and you seem like a guy that's not really intimidated by much. If you aren't fear factor, what's the one thing that you'd say, ah, because I'm trying to get like fear factor fantasy football analyst together or survivor or something like that. Is there something that is sort of your Achilles heel that say, you know what, I'm out of here? Oh man. Uh, this is going to sound stupid, but like, I, I hate mosquitoes. Like I, I, ah, okay. In the summer, like it, it gets dark and you know, I get bit a couple of times, I'm out of there. Like, yep. I, I'm just not like, I'm terrible at parties, you know, in the summer. I, I can't do being outside and just like getting eaten alive. I totally get it. My wife and son are the same way. My daughter and I can sit outside for hours. And when this summer just finished, they get bit and they, they start putting long sleeve shirts on and we're sitting there in 90 degrees because it just seems to attack certain people. So I guess that would be the one you would not like then. Yeah, for sure. All right, listen, man, as always, fantastic job. Last question, then we will get you out of here. Give me the Nelson Souza bold prediction. Now, this could be a preseason prediction, or this could be something that you see right now that in, in your head is saying, you know, I'm not so sure. Give me the bold prediction here, rest of season, something that you think is going to happen, because you're usually spot on with these. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you two of them, and um, I, I think either one, but I think Kyler Murray is going to have the best quarterback fantasy season of all time. Oh, good one. And in the same year, Tom Brady is going to break uh, Peyton Manning's touchdown record. That's a great, you know, man, that's, that's how you do a bold prediction, folks, because they seem impossible. But when you think about it, there's a range of outcomes. I could absolutely see both of those things happening. You know, Nelson, if Kyler Murray stayed healthy last year, and didn't get hurt halfway through, he would have had a hell of a season. I think both make a lot of sense. Great calls there. Thank you. Folks, Nelson Souza, high-stakes fantasy player, extraordinaire, FTN Fantasy. He's killing it. He's the franchise. You have to follow him on Twitter, at the underscore franchise 12. His, his Twitter bio says it all. If you don't take risks, you'll always work for someone who does. He certainly does, and he gets a lot of them correct. Nelson, thanks so much for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.